Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. I just find it hard to read reviews because it's it's coming from people who have no, don't know anything about you. I got one in the... I'm going to say Telegraph's one of the broadsheets. Yeah. And it was in the interval of a DVD record. And I have a habit of, you know how you lift out a good quote? If you're reading a review, you lift out a good quote because you might be able to use it. And... The reviewer had said they thought I was spreading myself too thin. And I went back on stage thinking, too thin, the telegraph! Yeah! (laughs) I would have used spreading herself. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had any of your peers, like, come after you or disagree publicly with what you said? Who doesn't... Oh, I won't comic tell me that um, your complete lack of moral fibre is what's going to make you a great comic. That's cool. That's good, isn't it? Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah! There you go, there's a group of comedians laughing too hard at each other's jokes. That's uh, Backstage with Catherine Ryan, season one, now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. James Dempsey uh, joins us once again. So what's the kind of format here, James? So the format is Catherine Ryan is presenting a series of stand-up comedy gigs gigs at the Lon- at London's The Roundhouse, which I can't say is a, a venue I'm that familiar with. And... While they, while while the four stand-ups who range from you know the likes of Jimmy Carr, Sue Perkins, Frankie Boyle, Joanne McNally, Joe Brandt, Sarah Pascoe, etc., um, very much the kind of people I guess you would expect to see on every comedy panel show you've ever <laughs> yeah. seen in the UK. Uh, when they're not doing their their live set in front of a live audience, they're being filmed, you know, in the green room, in their dressing room, interacting with each other, doing sound checks by fly on the wall cameras that are sort of attempting to capture everything else that's going, you know, off going on backstage. Mm. And I think ostensibly it kind of it offers more than it delivers the the concept, right? Because you kind of get this idea that it'll be a, a warts and all look at comedians. But as you said there and from the clip there, which is fairly emblematic of of the of the entire series, everyone is just a little bit too nice, you know, yeah. to each other. The first one especially kind of uh, uh, promises a lot more than you get in the rest of them because in the first one, which has uh, Jimmy Carr and a few others, all the comedians are socialising with each other for the entirety of the run. And perhaps the most interesting part of it is when they're watching each other's set, they do this kind of like goggle box, you know, flashing back to them. Mm. And they're offering kind of... Um, critiques isn't the right word but like an appraisal or 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 commenting on what's going on saying oh like uh, you know for example when Joanne McNally's doing her set um they're commenting about how she sort of moves around the stage like a like a cage line or something but in a very favorable way yeah. but and that is kind of interesting but then the rest of it is just aren't we very funny aren't you great aren't we having a laugh aren't you very funny and then there's a bit of artifice going on as well with Catherine Ryan who I think is quite a Marmite uh, figure, really. And she is the host of this, the compare of this comedy show. So she introduces each act with a little kind of, I guess, monologue right at the very beginning and then a delivery on each one. And she has this uh, comedian writer working with her. His name is Jeff Norcott. And throughout the episode, before they start playing, you know, before they start performing, she's going over to him and they're working on, I guess they're workshopping on lines that she might use to do to introduce each of the stand up sort of on the fly. And I don't know how much of this is real or not, like, because it all it, to me, it's, it looked a little artificial that this was just put in to throw in an extra bit of 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 drama in the show or 
to give this guy Jeff Norcott some <laughs> something to do <laughs> something to do because otherwise he wouldn't uh, I would imagine that she would come prepared and not be making them up on the fly but look I'm not a stand up so I don't really know how that works but either this is like a, it's a scene they stole from hacks where <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly they do that <laughs> true <laughs> Um, and, and where it was at its best for me was in the second episode there was this very interesting and kind of frank discussion between a group of of uh, the female comedians talking about kind of uh, predatory behaviour in the stand-up world and, and how they have been uh, how, how they've dealt with it or, or, or um, ordeals they've had with it and that was very very interesting to see because it wasn't jokes right I mean it was mm. certainly filled with moments of levity and yeah. breaking the tension with one-liners but it was this quite serious topic that they were talking about in a very honest and frank way and that's more interesting say than just you know watching a bunch of comedians stage laughing at each other and yeah. and and thinking about how funny they are so on the whole look I don't think anybody is not going to enjoy this. The stand-up sets are all very polished. They're all very funny. The behind-the-scenes stuff just doesn't quite deliver necessarily what you would want it to be to become this very, very, very interesting show. But like it's <laughs> it's Grant and it's <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you'll watch the six episodes quite easily. Yeah. So the, it's the, like it's stand up, but with reality television, but in a Kardashian way rather than exactly. it's all highly I mean, scripted reality. Each television. of these comedians knows they're being filmed, right? Yes, like yeah. it, it's it's not a uh, you know it, it, like, like they signed up. They con- look, they were all paid, right? There, yeah. there was negotiations made with agents, and contracts were signed. And even Jimmy Carr, uh, you know, in fairness, <laughs> like of all the characters on it, like Jimmy Carr's had a rough kind of couple of months social media wise with regard to his comedy, and this actually paints him quite favourably because he comes across as very charming and very much liked by his other comedians in a way that he isn't currently liked by the internet audience mm. anyway. So, uh, but even he makes jokes about like uh, at the very end being like, well, that's all you get from me. I'm signing off now. That's you, You've had your fill. You got all you need. I'm gone kind of yeah. thing. So they know what's going on. Everybody's in on the joke and that's kind of the problem. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, right. We'll move on to our uh, second show of the day. Uh, yet another uh, <laughs> show uh, uh, in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. This one's called Ms. Marvel. It's on every Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. Here's a clip. Your mom and dad, they're going to calm down, okay? You're going to apologize. It'll be fine. Yeah, but maybe they're right. Maybe I spend too much time with fan art and costumes with my head stuck in fantasy land. So. Who's they? My mom. My teachers, Mr. Wilson, everyone. You know, there was a girl in our neighborhood who decided she wanted to go backpacking around Europe, and you would, you would literally think she joined a death cult in the way all the aunties just gossip about her. I'm lost. W- what does that have to do with AvengerCon? He's dressing up as Captain Marvel's weird. No, it's not. And it's childish, and I know that, okay? And, and let's be honest, it's not really the brown girls from Jersey City who save the world. Sure they do. You're Kamala Khan. You want to save the world, then you're going to save the world. Okay, that's uh, Ms. Marvel. Is this based on a comic? Yeah, so it's based on a very recent comic, I guess, in Marvel history. It debuted in 2014 and was created by a woman named G. Willow Wilson and was very, like, um, kind of uh, headline-grabbing or or column-inch-grabbing comic when it debuted because it was all about this sort of Pakistani-American Muslim teenage girl. Mm. And she's very much kind of... You know, I was even just thinking about it there. Her name is Kamala Khan. She is like Peter Parker. There's there's alliteration going on here for a reason, (laughs) right? And Marvel 
is in a very interesting place because uh, if you if you know, I mean, millions of people around the world are fans. Millions of people around the world aren't. But those that are fans will be aware that uh, Spider Man, Peter Parker has left the Marvel nest and is going back to Sony because Sony has rights to him, right? Okay. And, and they're not... Uh, this is why <laughs> the end of the most recent movie ended as it did, which I won't go into because that'll act as a spoiler. And basically, um, Marvel now needs a new teenage superhero, right? A new kind of relatable, quirky, funny, young teenage superhero to fulfil that youthful role that they had with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Okay. And Ms. Marvel is actually... A very promising start. I really, really liked this opening episode. So much so, uh, it's, I was so surprised because when I watched the trailer, it didn't really strike me as being particularly interesting or certainly the trailer didn't look very good. Mm. And everything about this, with the exception, with one major exception, I'll say, looks fantastic. So it's created the show, I should say, by a guy named Bisha K. Ali, who is a British um, Asian comedian, South Asian comedian. He also wrote for Sex Education and Four Weddings and a Funeral and Loki, which is probably one of the better Marvel TV shows. And uh, this I would put sort of right, right up there with that. It's kind of quirky, unusual and interesting. And when it starts off, it starts off with this really kind of funny YouTube video montage of what Kamala Khan is up to. So she's this like 15, 16 year old girl in New Jersey. And if we're, if you are a 16 year old growing up in a world in which superheroes exist, you might be really fascinated by them. And she's absolutely fascinated by Captain Marvel, played by Brie Larson in the mm. big, big leagues, shall we say. And she wants to go to Avengers Con the like comic book convention for Avengers taking place in Jersey City and her mother and father who are sort of strict uh, Muslim American uh, immigrants don't want her to. So it's all about balancing her life as a sort of contemporary first generation Muslim American with the uh, difficulties of parents who are very strict while, you know, while in her heart being a fantasist. Mm. And in the comic book, she gains her powers, which are called her like embiggening powers, where she can just make any part of her body bigger. Embiggening? <laughs> right. <laughs> Through the, Isn't that from The Simpsons? It is, yeah. <laughs> the, the comic book is very referential to ah, like, right, pop okay. culture, yeah, okay. as is the show. And she basically has sort of strength and uh, can recuperate very quickly, but she can make parts of her body large. So usually she makes her hands really big and gives you a big punch, okay, right? Okay, in the beginning. And yeah. when they were creating, mm-hmm. when she was creating the, car- the, the the comic book, Jay Willow Wilson specifically said that she didn't want, you know, her, her superhero to be someone that had uh, sparkly, hand-wavy, floaty, pretty f- powers. Mm. She wanted something else. Uh, and she really wanted to make, a, like, a comment on how sort of brown people uh, would have to change their 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 sort of whole way of being to fit in with everyone else, and that is literally why K- Kamala makes her fists giant to become a superhero. And of course, it's very difficult to do this in the TV show because the Terrigan myths come from the Inhumans, which was once hoped to be a Marvel TV show and very quickly cancelled and almost completely forgotten, uh, except for in other dimensions. And uh, therefore, they, that, that that can't happen now in this version. Okay. So she gains her powers through a, a magical ba- bangle, which we haven't learned an awful lot about. But unfortunately, it means that they are now sparkly, hand wavy, floaty, pretty yes. light powers. Uh, <laughs> so th- she went into Claire's and came out. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so the embiggening, unfortunately, isn't uh, what I hoped it would be. But all in all, I thought it was such a confident, fun, cute, smart, witty, 
enjoyable opening episode. Now you have to also bear in mind this is a teenage superhero. This isn't like this is this is skewering younger in mm, its audience, yeah. right? So you've got to go in with that in mind. She's not gonna be you know, this isn't the Batman. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so or or the Joker. And thank God for that. It, it, it but it has a lot of levity and and funny uh funny creative camera use. Musical score is great. What I also really liked about it is uh, because she's Pakistani American but but um but Disney Plus doesn't exist in Pakistan they're actually showing it in cinemas all over mm. Pakistan to, sort of, to, yeah. to play up to, to that side of it as well. So all in all, as I said, very, very confident start. One part of six in, I, you know, I don't want to hold myself to that. I haven't seen any more. Yeah. But I certainly am looking forward to Wednesday's second episode. OK. Yeah, I can't say fair. Than that. Actually, at the other end of the scale, uh, Paddy says The Boys is back on Amazon Prime. It's getting better and better. In the first five minutes, it will be remembered for one of the most amazing scenes in a streaming service ever. A very active imagination might get close, but it is way past the watershed. That's, that's, so have you seen any of that scene? Yeah, I, I know what the scene is. Yeah, we, that, I mean... <laughs> The the the, um, the sheer imagination in terms of just killing people <laughs> yeah. is extraordinary on that yeah. show. I'm a bit cooler on the boys. I, I never quite uh, won me over, uh, and I sort of watch it in very very slow drips and drabs. But uh, yeah, I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> it's the black humor though is re- is really extraordinary. Right, I will move on to our uh, third show of the day. This is called We Own This City. All episodes now streaming on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. Here's a clip. You say you won't see me, Sarge? Shut the door. What's going on? Brother, you f***ed up. Big time. I mean, two guys enjoying a beer on their steps? What the f***, dude? <laughs> what the f***? They came back on that? You left witnesses and a f***ed up arrestee who had to go to Hopkins for stitches. They came in with a pretty legit complaint. You know, look, I gave him a chance. I told him they had to get the on inside. I mean, that's... I, I circled a block Wait, one of them mouths off to me. You could lose your job over like this. These are my... Hang on. Oh, look, maybe things, you know, got out of hand. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I took a little bit. What? Oh, you got. <laughs> ah, you guys <laughs> with me? Wait, <laughs> calm down. You're an earner and you work your ass off. We are always going to protect you. But seriously, you could have been nailed. Problem is you half-assed the paperwork. Well, that clip played hell with my tinnitus. Uh, that's uh, We Own This City. Uh, George Pelicanus, David Simon. Yeah. Uh, th- th- those two names together um, again after such a long time. <laughs> and they're back on familiar stomping ground yeah. because it's, it's based on a book by Baltimore Sun journalist Justin Fenton. So it, it, it kind of is... Uh, like a, a closing of the chapter of The Wire some, in some regard because uh, the whole point of The Wire is and, and I haven't watched The Wire in a long time and The Wire is a very interesting show in for multiple reasons but I kind of one of the theses one of the theses put forward in The Wire is that the police could be good if they just had the resources or if they had the time if they had everything they needed they could help really to solve society and 20 years later the police look an awful lot different uh, in those 20 years. Certainly American police are not as highly regarded perhaps as as they were 
around the year 2000. And this is based on a real life story about the gun uh, task force. I, I'm not quite getting that right. Uh, the, sorry, the gun trace task force, a unit in the Baltimore Police Department that from which eight officers were arrested and found guilty of corruption in 2018. And this story follows uh, basically one of them, well, a major one of them anyway, Sergeant Wayne Jenkins, who's played by John Bernthal who you'd know from The Punisher and The Walking Dead and like a million things. Mm. He, you know, he's a real guy you just know. You'd recognise his face. Yeah. And uh, he's a corrupt cop. And when we meet him at the very beginning, he is very obviously corrupt. But it's quite... What they do very, very uh, successfully is a, a, there's a huge shifting timeline in this show. It goes all the way back to like 2003. And very cleverly how they kind of often introduce, particularly with, with Sergeant Jane Wenkins, where, where he is and when he is, is his scenes are usually introduced by someone typing into the police report with the date and where he is and exactly what patrol he's on or something. Yeah. So his thread is very, very easy to follow. But like all uh, David Simon... George Pelicano shows there are 9,000 characters in this yeah, so like okay. it's, a, it's a portrait of a yes. yes so be prepared to not know anybody's name and indeed what I also <laughs> found with this one was like you cannot be I, I cannot be second screening this one I have to give the hour of TV mm. my full focus otherwise I just do not have a clue what's going on but in some regard you're not meant to like early on in this uh, in the first episode of this six episode run so it's actually a fairly short okay. version even yeah. by his standards um there's a there's a raid that goes on like a drug raid of some sorts uh, that is d- being done by by one group of people and you later on find find out they are a completely separate group of of, of people so you just have to be really paying doing your homework while watching this now I did think this was the most aggressively straight show I could have picked in Pride Month to do because it has none of the kind of like when you think when I think back about The Wire The Wire is surprisingly uh, like uh, LGBTQ in its in, in, in for its time I mean with Omar and other characters mm. and this is just you know I heard about this show at a four year old's birthday party from her father going what is this it's really good it's really good and and um, and I, I went in with some trepidation because I thought that this was just going to be lads, lads, lads TV show. Yeah. And it's it, 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 by by the end of the second episode, I was much more won over. I just thought it was very well paced, well put together, well shot and very interesting. And the other thing that is so fascinating about it is like there's corrupt cops in The Wire, there's corrupt cops in every mm. TV show but often uh, these anti-hero corrupt cops, they're still kind of cool, like they're kind of yeah, these yeah. macho lads, right? <laughs> and here because you know this is 100% I mean, okay, it's a drama but it is based on a true story. These corrupt cops are just utterly contemptible like every action that they do just seems awful and they they never really win you over even though John Berenthal is a great charming actor and he he can be very charming as Sergeant Wayne Jenkins you're just watching him being this horrible terrible corrupt influence that like this kind of like cancer growing through the unit that you know impinges on everyone he seems to come in contact with and his interactions with other people you know particularly like with black Americans on the streets of Baltimore are so reprehensible that you cannot but just constantly root against him and that's quite an interesting change for David Simon who who I still think is uh, very pro-police in, in all his writings he's very kind of infamously uh, cantankerous on Twitter so this is this marks somewhat of a step back from his sort of like head geographic uh, yeah, take yeah. on the police. Well whatever about his arguments with people on Twitter certainly in, in, in 
like The Wire was constructed like a novel. Mm. He deliberately didn't put flashbacks in it, which is why it bombed on television, <laughs> because people wanted to be reminded. It was much easier to watch on, on DVD, that old-fashioned thing. Uh, and But, you know, usually there was a... This was like a novel of of a, a social yeah. novel, a, you know, a portrait of a community. So is is this like that as well? I get yes. It, well, this is more, it's less of a novel and it's more like a nonfiction book, right? Because yeah. it is because it, it's written by this journalist um, who is considered the voice of Maryland. I was reading his Wikipedia today, and um, and this this is more narrative focused, we'll say, than thematic or or drama focused, and it's more about telling the story about about these corrupt police officers and ultimately their downfall. And then the British actress Won Me Mosaic, who appears in in lots of other things as well, she um uh, she plays this sort of uh, like composite character who works for the Justice Department named Nicole Steele who sort of plays a number of real people that are amalgamated into this one character who's supposed to be a representative of the government here to help calm everything down and write a report and she's sort of the audience substitute going around asking questions that fill in those sort of yes, those yeah. gaps um, so yeah I wouldn't go it is it, it, it is it's perhaps not as richly observed as The Wire, but The Wire had five seasons to tell to its that. story. Yeah, absolutely. Still, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, ooh, few comments on Ms. Marvel. The MCU universe is just trying to be hard and most of the woke stuff is failing because it's sacrificing story for identity-based narratives, uh, says James. Uh, the uh, Paul says, serious question, who watches this drivel? Can your guest recommend a proper film or series to watch? Well, he just recommended three of them, Paul. <laughs> and uh, someone else says, thank God it's a female character with embiggening powers. A teenage boy would not have used that power responsibly. <laughs> James, thanks a million as ever. Uh, James Dempsey, there you are listening to The One Creep Show on Talk. We're going to take a break after that death in Cork. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.